You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. I don't know about you guys, but I am tired. It's been a long week. Faced death this week. I was down for two days. Many of you checked up on me. I appreciate that. I know we have many out tonight that are sick, so make sure we're in prayer for them. But it has just been a very chaotic week. Uh, I have been given special instruction by Brother Scott. We do need to be out of here by 7 for the XFL game, so I will make sure I, I try to meet that expectation, Brother Scott, the best I can. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and get rid of this, so I'm not. But uh, it, it has been one of the most unique revival meetings I've ever been a part of. One of the most quiet revival meetings I've ever been a part of. I think we often go into it expecting the screaming and the shouting and the hooting and the hollering. There's nothing wrong with that. That was last year. But we're not aiming to have a repeat of last year. This year was, was very special to me. Uh, I know that uh, much time was spent in prayer for this revival meeting. And you'd be sadly mistaken if you thought that was in vain. Because I promise you, decisions were made over this past week. Um, as Pastor made mention of this morning, a lot of it was introverted. A lot of people were doing self-examination, myself included. But it was an amazing thing to see people respond and to be able to talk to people afterwards. Some of the most simplest messages I have ever heard preached. Uh, Brother Terry Angel's message on prayer, just absolutely powerful. Such a powerful resource that we don't utilize very often. And we have that in our arsenal. We would be foolish to not use that, that resource. That's something that we need to be mindful of. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of work going forward. And... Um, the last couple months, just thinking about uh, really leading up to this last week, you know, we heard this one particular word or words, really. We hear it often uh, in the Baptist circle, if you will, uh, but it's that word blessing or blessed. It's a very simple word, but I think too often uh, the world really twists and misconcepts uh, the meaning of that word. But if you were to look it up in a Webster's, uh, Noah Webster dictionary, it says a wish of happiness pronounced a prayer imploring happiness upon another. Personally, I am under the belief that there is no way you can have joy or happiness without Jesus Christ. So I, I believe that we could make the argument tonight that be, to be blessed is to be put in a position where you realize that He is all there is. To be a blessing is to realize that He is all that you need, but you want others to see that as well. So tonight we'll be talking about blessings and blessed, and, and it's something we hear a lot, but, but the world really gets that, that backwards. I talk to a lot of people uh, out in my secular job and uh, just out soul winning and out day-to-day -day errands, and, and you know, it's amazing what people think when they say, oh, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. God has blessed me with this $100,000 truck. Well, you explain to me how you're blessed when you have to kill yourself to make the payments to pay for it. Are you really blessed? I think you've misconcepted the meaning of blessing and blessed. The world has a very distorted view of that, and it's starting to creep into our churches. I worry about that quite a bit. 
people think that when they're blessed, they automatically assume that it has to do with your finances. There are many blessings that have taken, taken place this last couple months. I don't think we, we catch everything. I don't say it because she's my wife, but my wife is probably the biggest blessing that I've ever met in my life. She is she's probably one of the most selfless people I've ever met. I remember when we, we talked about, uh, I've, I've talked about it before, but right before we got married, uh, Pastor Atwood had us do marriage counseling, you know, the month before, make sure we really were dedicated to it. We understood what it meant to have a godly marriage. And there was a point in that when he asked, and, and I've, I've actually asked her about this, she can't remember the word that she used, but he asked us to have a word for one another that when times get tough, that you revert back to that word and you remember that person in that light. My word was selfless for my wife. And it's not really my place. I don't know that many people in the church know my wife's testimony, but I can tell you it wasn't a pleasant upbringing. She has seen many hard things. She's endured many hard things. Uh, There are things that she's had to go through that she wouldn't wish upon anybody. But because of that, it's made her who she is today. And she has a love for people like I've never seen before. Now, because she's selfless, that doesn't mean she's a doormat. Don't get it confused. Because she can stand her own, and she will if she has to. But she is going to do anything and everything that she can to be a blessing to people, and she will go out of her way to do that. I have to often tell her, you need to stop. You need to stop, and you need to take a break. It's okay, but she is willing to run herself ragged to be a blessing for people. I see many, many women in here, Miss Angela, Miss Julia, Miss Maria, I don't, I don't think you guys understand how much of a blessing the nursery is because I don't know about you, but I've met everybody's kids in here. And to put three women in a room with 23 children during revival for up to two hours, that, that's an amazing feat. That's a blessing. You know why they did that? So that we can come in here and our hearts can be completely focused on God. And we don't thank them enough for it. It's cramped in there. And they do it willingly. I think we forget what that word really means. As I've studied upon this word and I see it in Scripture, I, I really come back to Paul. And you, you read all throughout his letters. Paul, the way he approached everything, he was very unapologetic in how he approached everything. He did not care what you thought about him because he knew the task at hand. He knew what he was trying to do. He was trying to be a blessing to people. He was trying to point people to Jesus Christ. Even if people didn't understand that, and they didn't want to see that, he stayed the course. That's why he was able to say, I have fought the good fight. He was a blessing all throughout his ministry. But further than that, what I really want to focus in tonight, if you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I'll go ahead and give you the title of my message tonight, The Cost of Being a Blessing. So I'd invite you to stand once you find your place. And we will begin in verse number 14, and we'll read all the way down to the end of the chapter. Let's begin. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. How often we get that backwards. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, 
the less I be loved. But be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I make a gain of you by any of them who I, whom I sent unto you? I desired Titus, with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Again, thank you that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God and Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strife, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, and tumults. And last, when I come again, and least when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already, and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity just to be in your house. Lord, we thank you for all that has taken place in this last week and really everything leading up to this, this past revival week. Lord, we know that decisions have been made, Lord, and we know that uh, you have worked upon hearts, Lord, but there is still so much work to do, Lord. Uh, if we're going to continue to uh, just be a blessing to the city of Corpus Christi, we have to understand that there is a cost in it, Lord. Help us to not get discouraged in it but help us to remember that you are ultimately in control. And let it be for your praise, honor, and glory, Lord. We love you, and we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray and ask, amen. You may be seated. The cost of being a blessing. Four things I want to throw at you guys before seven, Brother Scott, if I can make it happen. But the first thing, you will spend more than you will receive. I think oftentimes when we get into ministry, we don't fully understand, we aren't fully prepared for what we're about to partake in. We want to be a blessing. We want to see fruit from it. We want all the hunky-dory smiles and, and glory of it, but we don't realize that we are going to exhaust ourselves in ministry. It's going to happen. Am I telling it right? Yes, sir. You are going to exhaust yourself, and you're probably not going to get a lot back from it. I remember getting my first real taste of this when I became involved in the bus ministry. In fact, Brother Luke, I remember it was the first or second time I rode the bus. I just remember thinking, you know, what, what, why do we do this? What, you know, what, what's, what's the point of this? I understand we're bringing people to church, but I got to be honest, this doesn't seem very pleasant to me. They're screaming and they're wailing and there's gnashing of teeth and it's just, it's chaotic. But, but Brother Luke said something to me and it stuck with me. The entire time I've been in ministry, he said, you know, you're going to invest in these children and you're not going to see results right away. It's going to be long term. But he said, if you stick with it, I promise you, it's worth it. I think of Brashawn, I think of Mia, and I think of Stephanie. And I've been thinking about those three young ladies a lot, specifically in the area of how their lives changed. When they came, when they came, all of them, very rebellious, they would talk back quite often. And they, they had an issue, one specific issue. They didn't want to dress modestly, all three of them. But we had ladies in this church that took time with them, never even brought it up, never even talked about dressing modestly. And every th all three of them, without fail, they came to a point where they came to somebody, whether it be Miss Tracy or Miss Elaine, I know, was involved at one point. They came up to these ladies and said, you know, I have this much. Can you take me to the store and help me to buy modest clothing? That's the results we look for. That's why we do what we do. 
but you're going to spend a lot of time before you see those results. Yes, we read our Bibles and we pray, we get involved, but we go prolonged periods of time and we get to a place where we think, why do we do this? Why? It's exhausting. Being a Christian is exhausting. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But it's worth every bit of it when you see young ladies like that go to Bible college. I think we have more bus kids right now that are in Bible college than we do teenagers within the church. And I'm not saying that to discourage you guys. I'm saying that that's an amazing testimony because the bus ministry works. There's a lot of give. We spend a lot of money for gas on buses, and we don't always see a lot of return. Sometimes we'll go months before we see anything. COVID was a huge hindrance of that. I know I remember praying for those kids, wondering where they're at. Many of them moved around. They get moved within the system. They get moved within foster care, whatever the case may be, and we don't ever see them again. But we continue to pray for them. Sometimes they pop up. We're very fortunate in that. But you are going to exalt yourself in ministry. I mean, I do everything I'm supposed to, and I exhaust myself, and, and I don't even get a thank you. No one recognizes all the hard work that I put into this ministry. The pastor doesn't come up and pat me on the back and call my name from the pulpit. The people aren't telling me how great a job I'm doing. I mean, what's the point? Why do I do it? We have to remember why we got into ministry. Why did you get into ministry? When you first started, what was your goal? It was to be a blessing. Remember, to, to be a blessing is to wish happiness on another, not on ourselves. We get way too focused on ourselves in ministry. That's been my biggest struggle. I'll be, I'll be honest. I'm probably the worst in the room. I got into it thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to help people. I'm going to lead people to God. And there's going to be great glory in it for the Lord. That's not the case. In fact, as much as I hate to admit it, those moments come fewer and far in between. It just doesn't always work that way. But you have to stick at it. We got into this to be a blessing. There is nothing wrong with people recognizing your hard work. Nothing wrong with that. But you, you ought not be in a spot where you go, hey, come on, I need to hear it. I need to hear it. Give me that. No. God will take care of you. He'll reward you. We ought not try to do openly so that we can impress man. What changed? I've been asking myself that a lot lately. What changed? Is it my attitude? Is it my spirit? Is it just weariness? Am I getting tired? Is it just that I wasn't fully prepared for what ministry was going to bring? There is great cost in being a blessing that we have to understand tonight. You will, you will, you will, mark it down, you will spend more time than you will receive. More of yourself physically, more financially, more time in tears, more time in prayer. Even if the people that you pray for never once lift your name in prayer, you will spend time. You are going to exhaust yourself in ministry. But we do it, like I said, because of the Brashans and the Mias and the Stephanies and the young people that are coming up behind us, and the people that come in and visit our church and they tell us what a blessing it is. They don't see everything that goes on behind it. There is great cost in being a blessing. Many of you know that I've, I've been in the automotive industry, specifically with Volkswagen, for the last 15 years. 
There's a, lot of, there's a lot that goes on in that industry. It's a very cutthroat industry. And to be honest with you, I thrived in it. I love it. I love the commission aspect of it. And for a long time, I was very prideful about it. I enjoyed that I could outflag anybody in any shop that I've ever been to. Took great pride in that to the point where I had earned a reputation of being very cutthroat, very unapproachable, and very fearful. People thought I was the biggest jerk they ever met. It got to the point where I, I was making great money, but I didn't even care about the money. The thing that I enjoyed the most was seeing my hours at the top of the list every week and being able to hold that over my coworkers' heads. It was pride. I remember about 10 years in, so this wasn't too, too long ago, just a few years ago, my boss called me in the office and he said, you know, you have so much potential to be an asset to this shop. If I could just take what you have in there and I, and I, could, just, and I could just put it in his head and I could, I could give him your work ethic, we would have an unstoppable shop. And he humbled me with that. Because you know what? Yeah, I, I understand the business side of that. But I wasn't doing that for God. I was coming to church and I was sitting in the pew and I wasn't talking to anybody. I didn't desire to give to anybody what I have gone through, especially these young people. I see it. I see things that you guys don't see. The lives that some of you are leading, if you do not stop and repent now, you are going to end up in misery, I promise you. I wish I could go into full detail about what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you, you do not want to experience some of the things myself and others in this room have experienced. Just do yourselves a favor now and listen. I don't know what it is, but it's something about that age from 13 to 25 where you guys just become stupid. I'm sorry. Just take everything that you guys know and throw it out the window Listen to your mothers and your fathers. Listen to that man right there. And listen to the people in this church that have wisdom. And I promise you, you can live a blessed life. I promise you. But the problem is, and I can see it on your faces, some of you are so hard-headed right now that you're just shutting me out. Brother Mark doesn't know what he's talking about. I wish I could tell you. I wish she could tell you and Miss Maria, and Brother Scott, and Matt, and Brother Luke, and Brother Darren. I wish they could tell you. If you guys don't turn, you're going to make a mess out of your lives. But he really helped me to see the bigger picture, not just in business, but in ministry. It's not about me. We use that acronym, JOY. What does it stand for? Somehow we always put why on top of that. We are so concerned with ourselves. When I realized the power in what my boss had told me, my entire outlook changed in ministry. I carried that over to ministry. We have the tendency to get so focused on ourselves, even in ministry, that we forget why we do this. We don't get up here and preach to be mean. We preach because we love you. And we want to see you succeed in your walk with God. There is no other reason to mount this pulpit. He told me not too long ago, you have to love who you're preaching to. 
And you guys may not think that I do because I'm pretty quiet most of the time, but I, I spend a lot of time in prayer for everybody in here. I love this church. And I know other men pray as well. I know that because of that building next door. That building is completely worthless if we just focus on it as a building. That building is a resource to bring people in to hear preaching that they might get saved, that they might get baptized, that they might get added unto the church, that they might go out and tell other people about Jesus Christ who might come and get saved, and then we'll have to build another building. That is why we do what we do. You will spend more than you will receive. But there is another cost in being a blessing. Number two, expect nothing in return. When you study out Paul and his ministry, oftentimes he would go into these, these cities and he would help plant churches and he would help them get established and he would help them grow. And he would often work. He was a tent maker. He did not want to be burdensome to them. He did not want to be a charge unto them. He desired that their focus would be wholly on building a relationship with God, not on him. He didn't care about them knowing who Paul was. But for whatever reason, we go into this thinking that we are owed something. Sometimes people believe that their time is more valuable than God's. And so they should be compensated according to how they see fit. I'm not saying that it's always the case, but what if we went about everything that we do for God just desiring to be a blessing to others? What if we just did that? Such a simple concept, but what if we just did that? If we stopped worrying about ourselves and our finances and our wants and just focused on bringing people in so that they could hear the gospel. All throughout Paul's letters, he says he isn't there to be a burden. He isn't there to be chargeable to him. He says, for I seek not yours, but you. How powerful is that? He's essentially saying, I'm not interested in what you can offer me for the exchange of me helping you to grow, but rather will you take what I want to give you so you can grow and help others also? Because the intent wasn't for Paul to stay. He needed to leave and go help other cities, but he needed to leave those cities behind in full faith that they were going to continue to go on for God. We just had two great men of God come into this church. And it would be a shame that just because they left, we stopped growing. I'm not taking away from what they've done in ministry, but it's not about them. And I believe both of them would agree with that. They came here to help us, to edify us, to help us stay focused upon God. Something else I struggle with, you know, we expect so much from that man right there. We're so critical of him. We say his preaching isn't up to our level. We get mad when he doesn't call our names from the pulpit. We feel like we have to be praised for everything. If that's what you're here for, then I, I, I don't understand that. I don't. If you have to be praised every time you pick up a piece of trash in the parking lot, then what are you here for? They say he should preach on this, and he should preach on that, and he shouldn't preach on this, and he shouldn't preach on that, and he's too chaotic from the pulpit, and he shouldn't draw on himself. That doesn't mean anything. If that's what you're getting focused on and not what he's saying, then you're losing the whole point of what he's preaching. We get too focused on that. Yeah, is he crazy? Absolutely. He's Asian. It is what it is. But you know what? I guarantee you 
he has a heart for this city, and he wants to see this city go forward. <laughs> we forget that he was called. I don't think he said, God, please give me headaches. Oh, I just want to stay up at night. I don't want to sleep. I want to lose my hair. He didn't ask for that. When he called, he said, God, whatever you would have me to do, whatever you would have me to do. And he's, he's fulfilled his side of that agreement. On top of that, we voted him in. So you had your chance to say no, and you didn't. So we're kind of stuck with him at this point. Something I know about that man, he pours out all of himself. Not so that we can talk about how great he is. Not so that we can give him and his family more love offerings. Not so that he can make a name for himself. And this would be the church that Johnny Che built. It's not why he does that. I believe he doesn't care one bit if we remember who Johnny Che is. I don't believe Paul thought that way. I don't believe we ought to think that way. If our sole purpose is to be a blessing, it is to point people to him. So we shouldn't be part of the equation and that we have to be recognized in any way, shape, or form. It is all about him. So why would we want to take any glory for that? I also believe that man has done everything that he can possibly do to help us be closer to God. He's a little cranky. He needs a fudge round and some milk from time to time. But you know what? Tell me he doesn't love this church. I'm not knocking what Pastor Atwood did. He, he brought this church to this building, and we needed that. I don't think you could have done that. I don't think you could have done that. But I don't know that Pastor Atwood could have brought it to where we're at. We ought to be doing everything we can to protect that man and expect nothing in return for it. Actually, one of the, one of the reasons I enjoy being a part of this church is because I, I don't like being recognized. I don't like being up in, the fr in front of people. So if you never call my name, it doesn't bother me because it's all for him anyways. One day, I'll have a crown to throw at his feet. But I would challenge you, if you ever get a minute of his time, he's hard to catch, but ask him what it cost to be a blessing. I imagine much of what he carries is between him and God anyways. He wouldn't tell us. He doesn't have to tell us. But I also believe that much of what he carries would crush most of us because we're too worried about ourselves rather than being a blessing. At the end of the day, this church, Heritage Baptist Church, is at the place that we, were at, we are at physically and spiritually and financially because that man understands the cost of being a blessing. He pours out all of himself, and I know it strains his family, but he does it, and he doesn't ask anything in return. And he will continue to do it because he understands the cost of being a blessing. Number three, expect heartache. That's one we don't embrace. Without a doubt, probably the hardest thing that I've ever had to accept in ministry is to accept heartache. You mark it down tonight. You spend any length of time trying to be a blessing to others, your heart will be broken a time or two, and I'm just being generous. People leave the church. 
for absolutely ridiculous reasons. Divisions arise. Toes get stepped on. In fact, Miss Amanda wore her, her special boots so that she wouldn't get her toes stepped on tonight. She let me know that, but it looks like somebody already beat me to it on that left one. <laughs> but because we're human, we get our feelings hurt over nothing important. We get our feelings hurt over nothing because we don't like the way the pastor preaches or because he used a Sharpie on his white shirt that he bought himself. Get over it. We got bigger fish to fry. There's souls out there that need to be saved. And we're worried about whether or not he's coloring on himself. Grow up. We invest much in certain people in hopes to watch them grow, and they stray from God. Children grow up and leave the home and, and turn to the world. It's not really part of my message, but I believe that happens for one of two reasons. Either they're a wayward child or we have failed as parents. Help us to be mindful of that. The list could go on and on. It's entirely inevitable that we will experience heartache at some point. It's going to happen. Paul's life was dedicated to trying to help people stay focused on God and not to stray. He was so worried about the people that he left behind. It's not like he had a cell phone and he could just call them up and say, hey, you know, what's going on? What do I need to pray about? How can I be of counsel? No, sometimes he had to wait days, months, before he would hear back from these cities. Could you imagine carrying that around? He was worried that they were going to be uh, in debates and envyings and wraths and strifes and backbitings and whisperings and swellings and tumults. He was worried about that. He was worried that the next time that he would see them, he would find them in that state. He carried that heartache around. How, how bad would that be if those two men that we spoke about, Brother Angel and, and Pastor Gomez, how bad would that be if they came back to see our church? Like That would be a heartache for any pastor, for any man of God. For this, for this man of God that we've been so blessed with, I know that he experiences heartache. Anybody in ministry, in Sunday schools, in, in the bus ministry, in, in teen ministry, you are going to experience heartache. It's a fact. If you're going to live for God, you're going to experience heartache. It is the cost of being a blessing. Sometimes Paul had to address hard issues. Sometimes you have to address hard issues. I don't think we get into, into ministry saying, man, I just, I just want to rule with an iron fist and I want people to hate me and I'm just going to tell people, this is how it has to be. If you guys don't listen, I'm going to get a little rough with you. I don't think that's what he ex expected when he came into this. <laughs> how easy would it be if, 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 if we just had our focus on God? I mean, <laughs> he'd have all his hair. <laughs> we wouldn't be dealing with the heartache that we have to deal with. And, and I know, I know, I talk to many of you in here, you are experiencing heartache on some level that is related to the ministry because you set out to be a blessing to somebody. But that is the cost of being a blessing. You're going to incur that cost. Paul would often write letters expressing fear that he would find them no longer following God. And sometimes he just had to wait. That's all he could do. Just wait to find out the state of the people that he left behind, what they were going to be in. Are they going to be still following God? Or is their church going to be absolutely torn apart? 
we should, we should be in prayer for this church every day that this church stays together so that we can continue to go forward for the glory of God. Yes, we're going to have some hard times. There's going to be some bickering from time to time amongst families, but get over it. I promise you it's not worth it. If it's going to hinder us from being, being used of God effectively, then we don't need to partake in it. Just say, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to go forward. That's what we need to do. There's going to be heartache in ministry. Brother Dusty, we were talking about children's ministry this morning. It is absolutely crazy in junior church. But tell me, tell me you'd leave. Tell me you'd leave. Absolutely not. It's worth every second being in there. There's something that brightens up your day on a Sunday when you watch a kid all hopped up on sugar, run off the bus at 100 miles an hour. Brother Dusty! You love it. I miss it. Sometimes I envy you a little bit. This morning I walked in and, you know, after my heathen child got kicked out for whatever reason he got kicked out for, I don't know, trying to beat you up or something like that. You were standing on the chairs yelling down at the kid. I don't know what you were doing, but it looked like a good time. I wanted to stay in there. But there is great heartache that comes in children's ministry. I, I can't tell you. I remember riding the bus, Brother Ben, and I remember uh, leading junior church, Brother Dusty, and I, I just remember getting so attached to these children. And you would go to their homes. You would visit. And I just, there are certain smells from my past that I, that I, I remember. Drugs. And you go to these little kids' homes and, Mommy and Daddy are doped out on the front porch. Smell it. These kids haven't bathed in days, weeks. Brother Mark, so happy to see you. Offer a piece of bubble gum. Yes, sir. But it breaks your heart. You could, you could quit. You could get out. You could say, I, I can't handle this. But if we did that, then who's going to be there for them? It's important. You watch them come and they grow and it's so exciting. And then all too often they fall off or they move. They get moved around in the system. They get moved around in, in uh, income-based housing, whatever the case may be. They go out of our district and we never see them again. There are two young boys, uh, Andrew and Adrian. Brother Luke, you remember those two? Little boys. Mom wanted nothing to do with them. They'd get so excited every week we'd see them outside. Their grandmother was in dialysis. She could barely walk, but she took them. The house just reeked of urine. It wasn't her fault. She was trying the best that she could. Absolutely destroyed. I can't tell you how many times I'd go visit them, and I'd help the grandmother pick stuff up just to be a blessing in that way, just to see those two children. I believe it was you, Brother Luke, said you ran into them not too long ago. I miss them. I hope they come back, but it brings about great heartache. I already went off on the te teenagers earlier, but it breaks my heart when I watch when I watch you guys stand so close to God, so close to God. It's almost like you're in tune with His will for your life. You're that close, and then something changes. You get around a wrong friend, wrong family member, wayward parent whatever the case is, and then you just completely make a mess out of your lives. It's 
great heartache. You guys don't understand the implication that that causes. You don't understand the hearts that break. I know Brother Ben invests a lot of time in you guys. I know Pastor invests a lot of time in you guys. I know this, these people out here. Turn around, look at them. Just for a second. Go ahead, turn around. I'll wait. They care for you. They love you. They've invested in you because they want to see you be successful for God. But it brings about much heartache when they have to watch you stray because sometimes there's nothing we can do but pray. You're going to experience heartache, but it is the cost of being a blessing. We pray and we reach out and we encourage and we watch, but you completely shut us out. That's not what we want. You're left with the heartache of knowing that if they don't accept Christ now, they might not ever accept Him. How often do we see that? You know, I alluded to it earlier about about my wife and, and some of her background, but what I can tell you about my wife is she has spent years trying to lead her family to the Lord. She led her mother to the Lord, not her personally, but she was led here in a church service, her brother-in-law, her sister, her nieces and nephews. We've been working on her other sisters. Even today, pastor, she was so convicted that when we got home, she told me she had to go to her sister's house. She was trying desperately to get a hold of her sister so that she could lead her to the Lord. It brings about much heartache for my wife. She, she, she doesn't care about herself. Like I said before, she is completely selfless. She just desires that her family would get saved. But we're too worried about, what am I getting out of this? There is heartache in ministry. We have grandmothers and grandfathers, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, and even children we lift up in prayer in hopes that they might come to the realization that they are lost and on their way to hell. There is great cost in being a blessing. But lastly, we see tonight, you may edify, but may not be edified. Look at verse number 19. Look at the last part of that verse. It says, but we do all things dearly beloved for your edifying. Paul wasn't worried or concerned as to whether or not they reciprocated that edifying. He never asked for it. Because the truth is, he wasn't looking to be encouraged by man. He was looking to be encouraged by God. We have to stop turning to man for encouragement. The greatest blessing in being a blessing is seeing others grow closer to God. I'll be honest with you, I... I, Never wanted to be a Sunday school teacher. You know that. Never asked for it. Never sought it out. He approached me and I said, no. I said, I think there are better options. And he said, God made it clear that I want you to teach the Sunday school class. Okay. And I could tell you just being in that class, maybe, maybe I do a horrible job. I don't know. I really don't. Thank you, Brother Dusty. Appreciate it. <laughs> Truthfully, really don't care. But <laughs> I, I really wasn't prepared for how it would change my mindset of people, how it would help me to grow in ministry. My biggest prayer is that I would see that class grow in such a way that they would want to go out and see people saved, and see people come to church. If, if we never hit, I, I have a goal of, of 60 for 2024. 
We never even hit our goal of 30 last year, and I don't care. You know why? Because that couple right there, Mike and Tiffany Conde, are growing quicker than I ever imagined. The time and prayer that I've spent for those two, what a blessing it's been to watch them grow. Absolutely amazing to watch. It thrills my heart. Miss Amanda, how I've watched her grow. We're still hoping for you, Brother Matt. We're still hoping. But Miss Julia. <laughs> but just watching you guys grow, we got the roughs in there. We got Frank and Tammy in there. Alyssa and, and Mariah and the Tillmans and uh, the crazy guy and Miss Angela. We have all of them in there. And, and I tell you, just getting to watch them grow is the biggest blessing in my life. It has changed my mindset in ministry. I, I'm completely amazed. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm probably the most unqualified person in that class on Sunday to teach. But they get up and they encourage me and they listen. Miss, Miss Julia, every, every Sunday without fail, thank you, Brother Mark. I was encouraged by that. Thank you. It's always a blessing. Thank you. Every time without fail, I can expect that from Miss Julia. I don't expect it. I expect nothing, but it, it encourages me. Even if she's lying to me, I don't care. It still encourages me. I need that because I often get discouraged. But we have to realize that we aren't to be edified by other people. Our edification comes from God. There wasn't with Paul and shouldn't be with us a desire to put pressure on people to feel as though they owe us anything in return. We ought not to do that. We don't have to put strings attached. Oh, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you type situation. No, that shouldn't be the mindset. I will do this for you, and I don't care if you do anything for me because I love you, brother. I can promise with 100% surety, if you set out to be a blessing, you will no doubt endure the cost of not being edified. I think of David in uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 30. I believe the city was Ziglag. As that whole city was wiped out, and they, they set it upon fire, and they took all the sons and daughters and wives. And, you know, here he is. They have already faced battle. They're tired. They're beaten down. They're broken. And they come home. Their city's completely wiped out. And their family's gone. And their first instinct is, well, it's David's fault. we got to stone David. So what's David going to do? He has nobody to lift him up. The Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That's who we have to turn to. I promise you, there are going to be times when you invest a lot of yourself into ministry, and you're going to be like, man, I'm just hoping somebody tells me thank you, and you don't get one thank you. And that should be okay, because God sees it. My wife tells me that all the time. She's like, you know, remember why we do what we do. God sees it. He's going to bless our family. And I need that reminder. I'm very grateful for that. I cannot tell you how many times that I have done that. I have completely exhausted myself for no other reason. No other reason but just to be a blessing to somebody. And then for whatever reason, that devil gets to talking and he says, you know, you should be recognized for that. I got to tell him to shut up. But if I'm not careful, I can get to a point where I will forget who God is and why I do this. And I can get real discouraged in that. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto him who are the household of faith. 
I believe up to this point, I've, I've probably done a pretty good job of, of really deterring people from wanting to be in ministry. Why would you want to be in ministry? You're going you're gonna to experience heartache. Why would I want to do that? I should expect nothing in return, and I'm going to have to exhaust myself completely. I'm going to have to be tired all the time. I'm going to have to be spiritually drained, mentally drained, physically drained, financially drained. I don't have anything left. Why am I going to want to do that? Why do we wake up early and spend time in prayer for people who don't care one bit about us? Why spend hours preparing and seeing people show up and never hearing one time, thank you? Why continue to endure when such heartache will no doubt burden you at some point? Why do we do that exactly? Why try to encourage and edify when you know you desperately need it yourself? Why do we do all that? Well, about 2,000 years ago, a baby was born of a virgin. Scripture tells us that baby was Jesus Christ. He left a place as grand as heaven. Have you ever tried to wrap your mind around that? That he would leave a place as great as heaven? He must think something of us to do such a thing. To come to a lost and dying world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He came to spend more than he was ever going to receive from us. He gave it all so that we might be saved, so that we could have everlasting life. For 33 years, he spent his entire life seeking that which was lost and desiring to save them. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil." came expecting nothing in return, only that we would believe. You know, one of the, one of the things, again, I, I've been very transparent tonight. I've struggled a lot in ministry. But one of the things that I've struggled with is, how could he love us that much that he would only ask that we would just believe? It isn't until we get saved that we understand that there's a whole different world to this Christian walk. He calls us to be preachers. He calls us to be pastors. He calls us into ministry in some sort. And he, he says, I'm going to help you guys through this. He gives us clear instruction of the chaos that ensues in ministry. And yet, for some reason, when we read this book, we think that it's going to be differently when it, it's going to occur differently when it happens to us. We get into it and we think, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to see people saved. And then we find out that it is heartache. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus knew heartache. His entire ministry was heartache. The people that he so dearly loved wanted nothing to do with him. Does that sound familiar? That's, that's us. Don't you think he knows a thing or two about heartache and a thing or two about ministry? the large response that we get when we go out soul winning. Yeah, we see soul saved, but most people say some pretty interesting words that I can't repeat from the pulpit. But why do we do it? Jesus didn't quit, and we shouldn't either. He understood fully the cost of being a blessing. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. 
neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. Jesus knew he could not seek edifying in men, but within himself, because he and God are one. If he then can be edified from God, cannot we be edified from God? We need to stop looking to man to edify us and look to God to edify us. Sometimes we think we need that, you know, that you did a good job, buddy. But half the time it's in vain, let's be honest. We just say it out of repetition. We just say it out of habit. But there's something. When you get in a quiet room and you start praying, God, why am I doing this? You start speaking to your heart. You remember that soul. And you remember Brashan. And you remember Mia. And you remember Adrian and Anthony. And you remember those kids that came on the bus. And you start getting encouraged by that. That's what we need. That's what we have to hold on to. That's what we're going to continue to go forward with. That's why we do what we do. It'd be easy. Everybody in the city would get saved if it was easy to live for God. And every time we went to a door, knock on the door, hey, you want to get saved? Yep, yep, just tell me how to get saved. We go through the plan of salvation. It would be easy. There would be no need for faith. It takes faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. We must stop expecting man to encourage us, but rather seek to be encouraged in the Lord. Why do we do what we do? The simple answer is Jesus. Yeah, that's right. It's a simple answer, but it's much more personal than that tonight. You know, with this whole revival meeting, I've been thinking about my own salvation a lot. And I find myself thinking, I am so unworthy. I am so inadequate to be used the way that God has used me for my family to grow the way that it has, but he has blessed me. And my mind rolls back to why I do what I do. As a 15-year-old boy, I remember, I remember be, being confronted with the fact that I knew that I was lost and undone without God or his son. I couldn't go any further from that point. It became abundantly clear that I was a sinner who needed Christ. And that night I got saved. I know that for a fact that as a 15-year-old boy that I got saved, but many of you know my testimony. I wish that I could say from that point that I, I did great things from God from 15 on, but that's not the truth. That's not my testimony. Even more than that, I wandered into the world for eight long years. I was a drunk. I was addicted to drugs. I was hopeless and helpless. But I remember somewhere at the end of that eight years hearing a preacher and I remember the decision that I made at 15 years old. And that verse, Romans 5, 8, came into my head. But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I cannot get over that verse. He commended the greatest act of love that man has ever known. He left heaven to come to earth and die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. And maybe that doesn't do much for you. But I was reminded that Christ died for me that day. And you know what I found out? That when I had left him eight years prior, he loved me. But when I went back to him eight years later, he loved me just the same, brother. He never stopped loving me. And I'll never forget that. It's because of that that I can endure the cost of being a blessing. It's because of those times when I get discouraged in my mind, I can remember that he saved me and that that's all he ever did for me. That would be enough. 
But I'm here to tell you this evening that he did far more than that. In eight years, he never, he never forgot about me. He let me wander. I did that on my own, but I came back to him, and he loved me just as much as he ever loved me, Brother Jay. Scooped me up, put godly men in my life that were an encouragement to me, that were patient with me, because I needed a lot of it. He brought Priscilla into my life, who has been a daily reminder of what it truly means to be a blessing. If you guys have never talked to that woman, talk to her. Get to know her background. Get to know her her testimony. She has been a huge blessing to many in this church. I get compliments almost every time we come to service about what a blessing my wife is, and that just thrills my soul. It just continues to burn within my heart the desire to see people saved. He changed my whole life. He took away the desire to drink, something I could never do. Tried for eight years, and I couldn't do it. And he did it like it was a light switch to shut it off, like that. Never had a desire. He cast the drugs so far out of my life. He got me so cleaned up. He taught me a thing or two about being patient. I'm probably the most unpatient person you've ever met. Maybe after Brother Dusty. But you know what he really did? Something that I'm just completely amazed by, and I don't ever want to lose it. He gave me a love for people that I've never had. Even you, Hector. I love this church. I love being a part of this church. I know it may not seem like it sometimes because I'm very quiet, and I wander in and out of people, and I'm getting stuff done, and I'm focused, but I love this church. There's a reason that I fight to stay in this church because there aren't many churches in America that are growing like this church. We are going to continue to see growth if we continue to keep him first and foremost. But we have to understand tonight that there is going to be cost in being a blessing. You are going to exhaust yourself physically and mentally and spiritually. And guess what? Financially. It's all his anyways. Stop hanging on to it. Let God be in control. And I promise this church will grow far greater than what we've ever prayed about. I think about the four children that he gave me. Two of them I inherited. We know them tonight, Jeremy and Jill. Jillian's fixing to go into Bible college. She's she's professed that she's going to go into ministry as far as the missionary field is concerned. Jeremy has talked about being called to preach, specifically with young people. Never saw that one coming. My biggest prayer right now is watching my two youngest get saved. I, I pray for that every day. I can't, I can't wait for that. can't wait for that. I remember Brother Luke talking about when Levi got saved, how excited he was that his family was all in. I look forward to that day. I'm already giving, giving God glory on credit because I know it's going to happen. I'm excited about it. What a blessing it is to have my family in this church. We've been through some hard times here. There were some times when it, it just seemed like Nobody in the church wanted us here. I I don't know why. Can't go into detail. A lot of crazy stuff happened, you know? But we stuck it out because something was happening in Heritage Baptist Church. And we knew that what we were going through was just the cost of being a blessing. We continued to help others. We continued to encourage one another and go forward. We didn't expect anything in return from anybody in this church. We didn't ask you for anything. We just did it because we wanted to be a blessing to others. And God has just completely ignited a fire within my family. 
I mean, you know, we're still, we're still praying for you, Jeremy, but his, his attitude has changed so much. You could say what you want about my son. I don't care. I've seen it. I'm at home with him. I've watched that young man grow. I've watched that young lady grow. I've watched them get involved in church. Believe it or not, I mean, I, I hear people come up and say, oh, Jeremy is just such a blessing. And we're just so grateful for Jill. That, that thrills my heart. That makes this thing worthwhile. When you get beat down by the world and you have people tell you that you're doing a good job as a parent when you know, mm, probably not. <laughs> That's a blessing. And if our Lord can come and endure the cost of being a blessing and then turn around and promise us he will strengthen us in our weakness, why then can we not endure also the cost of being a blessing? And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.